This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Quick note before we get started. This week's episode is all about traveling with children on spring break. And amid the coronavirus outbreak, it became pretty quickly apparent that that's probably not something you should do right now. We still wanted to bring the episode to you anyway, because it's a really fun episode. And listening back to it, it really lightened our hearts in these honestly stressful times. And besides that, there's a lot of really good tips that will be helpful for your kids, whether they're in a car or sitting in your living room. Anyhow, thanks so much for listening. Here's the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to see, and things to do. And today we're discussing not exactly where to travel, Jamie, but how to travel, specifically with little ones in tow. That's right, Jim. With spring break upon us, a lot of people are going to be embarking on vacations and day trips with their kids. And whether that's a long road trip or a few hours on a plane, it can be a challenging experience. At least that's how I imagine it. Jim, since neither of us has kids or really any experience traveling with kids, (laughs) we can't really speak to what it's like. But fortunately, several of our colleagues here at the Oregonian do know what it's like. So we invited a few of them on today to enlighten us a little bit. We've got three guests in the studio today. We have Carly Imus, Director of Audience Development, Amy Wong, Newsletters and Special Projects Editor, and Andrew Thien, Transportation Reporter and the host of The Beat Check, another podcast That's right. by The Oregonian and Oregon Live. Folks, how are you doing? Great. Doing great. Thanks for having us on. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so all of you are here because you have kids. So why don't we go around and just tell us a little bit about your kids? I'll start. I am the mother of two boys. They are 15 and 12, almost 13. And because their grandparents, my in-laws, live on the East Coast, they have both been traveling since they were newborns by plane. And they've also done a lot of road trips around Oregon. So I have an 11-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl. And same thing, we have family. So First time one of my kids was on a plane, they were six weeks old. I don't know how smart that was of me, but <laughs> we did it. And uh, we also do you know, road trips around Oregon and love to camp. Never stopped camping with my kids, so they've done a lot of traveling. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old as of uh, a couple days ago, so I'm in the fire. <laughs> and I have not done a lot of plane travel, but we drive around uh, the northwest uh, up to Idaho, down to southern Oregon, to the coast in central Oregon. So I'm leaning on these two, Amy and Carly, to 
tell me what I have in store. (laughs) So I'm really curious, how did your travel habits change once you had kids? Well, you are a lot less spontaneous. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely. It takes a lot more planning. I had extensive lists, especially when they were babies, to make sure that they had everything that they needed or that the relatives we were visiting had the stuff we needed on the other end. You know, I had like my aunt went and bought a car seat one time because it was difficult to take a car seat. Just a lot of planning involved. Yeah, that's there's a lot of the having stuff at the other end. Can you borrow or rent a pack and play for the baby at your house so we don't have to bring it? How about a stroller? Can you borrow one of those? Do you have a high chair? And sometimes you're even shipping stuff ahead. It sounds like your pack list all of a sudden just gets a whole lot longer. Oh, yeah. Yes. Charging cords for monitoring devices these (laughs) days is a thing. Maybe that's just the surveillance state that we live in. But, you know, if you're out in the woods, you are not in the same place as your child, but you want to know that they're doing okay. You have a monitor, so you can either listen to them or see them. That's a thing. When it comes to being in the car or being on a plane or a train or whatever, what are like the biggest challenges of keeping the kids, I don't know, entertained, controlled, contained? Well, you said it, Jamie. The entertainment is the biggest factor, I think, because they don't have the long-range perspective that an adult has to say, oh, it's only going to be four hours. It's that four hours is an eternity when you're one-year-old. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of it depends on their age, too. The easiest time I had traveling was when my oldest was six weeks old. I mean... Basically, an airplane is like a big white noise machine. He just slept the whole time. I was terrified going into that. I was like, what was I thinking getting these plane tickets? It was the easiest time traveling. When they hit like six months, a year, 18 months, and they want to be up and around and they can't understand what is going on, why they're sitting in this seat, and you know, maybe are really not that interested in screens yet, it gets really difficult. I would agree. That's the most difficult time when they start to get mobile. I vividly remember one plane trip where my younger son, who was then about two years old, spent the entire, I think, four-hour flight standing up between my legs because he would not sit in his seat. And luckily, I had a window seat, so I just sort of tucked him out of sight. But the flight attendant wasn't really happy. (laughs) (laughs) I think at that age, you have to get really creative. I did some weird things, took some weird things on airplanes. I took dental floss for him to unspool. I took band-aids for him to unwrap because he was obsessed with band-aids at the time. Found like new little toys and things that weren't really that cool, but were new to him. And so he was like super entertained by it. Once they get to the point where they're like, all they want to do is watch a movie, it gets a little bit easier. I will say, you know, that the literature that you get in the backseat pocket You can get very creative with that. We spent much of one flight looking at all the dogs and cats in one of those catalogs. (laughs) I love the dental floss. That seems like just an awesome creative solution. What are some of your other more creative solutions to keeping kids entertained? Oh, my goodness. That was probably the most creative one. It was I look for things that are new and different for them that maybe like he would not at home if he started unspooling dental floss. He'd be like, no, stop, stop. What are you doing? (laughs) But on the plane, it was like, okay, I know I'm going to have a mess to clean up, but he's going to be entertained for however long it takes him to do this. And so finding like little, you know, finger puppets Um, at this age, you know, they're older now. I let them pack their own bags for planes or car rides so that they have things that I know will entertain them. But I also will take things that are new that I can kind of surprise them with or we'll do like books on tape or I might if I'm not driving like read a book to them have them read to me I try not to do a ton of screens even on long car rides at this point because it almost makes it worse at some point (laughs) you know because they're like not expending any energy and then their brains are being filled with all of these things so yeah just finding new and different things I think 
And that's going to depend on who your kid is and what they like. I think creativity goes a long way, too. We are so conditioned, especially in our consumer society, that we have to have stuff. But I remember one long car ride coming back from Central Oregon when the kids were younger. They were maybe seven and four. And we had crayons and paper in the car. And they spent probably two hours just drawing in the back seat. Mm -hmm. And we've done that on planes, too. Hey, here's a pen. And here's the (laughs) AirSignix bag. Let's draw on it. Uh, You would be surprised how long that could go. A little like whiteboard, you know, with some dry erase markers is great because then you don't have a million pieces of paper floating around your car or whatever it is. Also, those little like not an Etch-A-Sketch, but the little like magnetic things that they draw on. That's more like Andrew's kids. Ages, oh, yeah. I magnets. Think. <laughs> yes. They're amazing. Miracles. Yes. yes. I mean, Tupperware is like really important. I feel like just, <laughs> here's a piece of plastic to play with. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's all about survival, especially when you're cooped up in a car. And, you know, my experience up until now, you know, a six month old and like a two and a half year old, you're just trying to get yourself there to wherever you're going. If you're in your own vehicle, you're less concerned about the effects on other people. But shame kind of goes out the window, I think, after a while. <laughs> you know, if you're on an airplane, what are you going to do, right? You're, you know, it's kind of interesting as a new parent newish parent. I don't fly a lot, but I used to be very concerned about other people. I'm still concerned about other people, but at the same point, I got to do what I got to do to survive. Yeah. I think on planes, I always try to keep two things in mind. It's easier looking at it in hindsight than it Mm -hmm. was at the time. But one is that a lot of other people on the plane also have been where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, they've had little kids and sometimes you'll even get little supportive smiles and comments, which is really nice. That is nice. I mean, it is so nice if somebody makes the trouble to say, you're doing great or (laughs) you got this or I've been there too. And the other thing is that your baby crying sounds a lot louder to you than it does to other people. No, sometimes they do get (laughs) shrieking up there, but... If they're just crying normally, often they sound way louder to you than to other people. I used to take a little package of earplugs, like multiple sets of them to give out to people around me just in case. Um, And I think, you know, that's just sort of a gesture. Like they're still going to hear your baby shrieking, but at least you can sort of be like, hey, I'm really sorry. I acknowledge this is really inconvenient for you. I have to get my baby to this destination. So here are some earplugs. And I never actually had to use them, but I felt better just having them, knowing that if my kids started screaming uncontrollably, that I could at least do something that would maybe make it a little easier for the people around me. And aside from just the traveling in cars or planes or whatever, how did having kids change where you travel? I think for me, it was a lot more visiting family because it's just easier on the other end to have like a home base instead of living out of a hotel or something like that. And now that they're older, you know, it gets expensive to travel with kids. And so it's a lot more road trips around the state, more camping, things like that. Fewer big trips. Yeah, camping is a good solution. I mean, my husband and I backpacked all the time pre-kids and then we took a break. But, you know, as soon as the kids were old enough to start backpacking and camping, they went off into the woods, into the beach, into the mountains too. And Carly's right. It's super cheap. You know, it's the <laughs> cost of the gas and the forest pass or the parking permit or whatever. In terms of traveling elsewhere, even now that the kids are older, we always try to get a hotel with a pool because once they know how to swim, they will happily spend hours in the pool. And we always get the hotel where breakfast is complimentary. I was just going to say that. The pool and the free breakfast (laughs) are both key. And Wi-Fi and cable. Yes. Yes. Those are like number three and four. Yep. (laughs) I'm curious about the camping because we're an outdoors podcast. You know, we talk about camping a lot. What's up with camping with kids? I mean, I imagine that 
introduces a whole host of other challenges. Well, like Carly said earlier, it's actually easiest when they're wee. I mean, really little. I mean, my younger son went on his first car camping trip when he was like six months old because I could just Mm -hmm. put him in his little bassinet. A friend let us use his pop-up trailer and I could put him in the bassinet and know that he would stay there. It actually gets harder when they're walking Yeah, I think when they're babies, it is easier. When they get mobile, it gets a little harder. And then when they get old enough to be, you know, three, four and safely running around, it's fine. We also do more dispersed camping than campgrounds. I think that that presents a challenge if you have a bunch of other people around and a road right by where you are and things like that. So when you're out in the middle of nowhere, at least the key at this point with my kids is we try not to take too much stuff. I come from a family that likes to be very prepared when they go camping. And I'm not saying don't be prepared, but more of a minimalist kind of look to it just because The kids, I make them help set up. I make them take down. Like, they are understanding how to pitch a tent at this point. Um, And the other key at this point is if we're doing dispersed camping, I have to take, like, a little toilet seat. Because trying to get my daughter to go in the woods without some sort of (laughs) aid like that is impossible. And it makes the trip terrible for everybody. So getting them to help, I think, is important when they're old enough. And then just having the right gear. Yeah, the car potty is pretty key. You just kind of have this little setup, comes from OXO or whatever. You unfold it, put it in the back. You got a little bag. It's a nice little setup. Yes. This, when is, you're, this yeah. is a toilet for use in the car? Mm-hmm. It I mean, can, you can be when you they're can, young can, enough. Yeah, you can yeah. put them outside if they want to enjoy the yeah. outdoors while, <laughs> so, while, while they take care of business. <laughs> on, um, on road trips when they're young enough, having like a little you know portable toilet that oh, yeah. you don't have to take them into a big scary restroom is really great my oldest is three she's pretty well potty trained she's doing a great job um but (laughs) the you know bathrooms are gross bathrooms are disgusting just in general especially in public so we actually use the portable potty uh you know on the regular just on the weekend we're at the park she's got to go it's the winter time none of the public restrooms are open they're closed for the winter just throw her in the in the van Take care of business. At this point. This is parenting. Yeah, this is parenting. (laughs) Figuring out bathroom stuff is incredibly important for parenting, right? (laughs) No matter where you are. (laughs) Yes. uh, At this point for camping, we don't do the the car potty because the kids are old enough. But just having like an actual camp, like just potty seat type of thing so that they don't have to go in the middle of the woods and dig a hole and do that whole thing. (laughs) I imagine it gets easier as the kids get older but i mean are there different kinds of challenges or different kinds of issues that you may face as the kids start getting to those teenage years well the biggest challenge once they hit those years is that they don't want to be with you anymore you know (laughs) (laughs) and so um you know my husband had a group he had a group of friends that they would do they still do a dad's and backpack trip every year and every year it gets a little harder but they keep going because they're with their friends the harder trips now are the family backpack trips you know if we want to do just the four of us they'll do it because it's a family trip but there's a little more eye rolling and complaining because they don't have a friend along i think that brings up sort of the other side of this which is you know we talk a lot about the challenges you may face with traveling with kids but there's also i'm sure a great joy being able to share these experiences with your kids oh absolutely yeah you want them to experience as much of the world as possible also mine are like better behaved i think on trips sometimes you have to watch for like fatigue and them not getting too hungry and, you know, the usual things. But they, you know, they're out doing new things and taking in new things and they love it. And uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the case for every single kid, but I will tell you, like, we are planning a very long road trip for spring break and I'm not the least bit worried. I mean, they are really excited for this. We're going places they haven't been before. We'll take the usual stuff in the car to keep them occupied, but 
they're at ages now where I think it's just going to be a joy. Andrew, Amy, how do you feel about the joys of traveling with kids? Have you reached that point yet? Well, hopefully soon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were talking about uh, camping and we haven't done any car camping, although we did go to a place close to your heart, the uh, yurts at Fort Stevens. Oh, yeah. That was when my youngest was about four four or five months old but i mean that was you're not sleeping much like especially two kids in this yurt and it's pouring down rain it was nice but you know it all made it worthwhile when you go out to walk to the beach she was there with her cousins they all kind of stripped down to their underwear they're just oregon kids on the beach like (laughs) running in the you know and it, it was cold i think a lot of parents maybe instinctually would have been like what are you doing but it was a beautiful moment i've got great pictures of them like by the shipwreck in their, you know, underwear (laughs) in, uh, you know, cold weather. It's amazing. I think that sort of brings up, you know, the lack of sleep, especially when your kids are younger, they probably will not sleep very well on vacation. Some of what you have to do when you travel with kids is sort of temper your expectations. If you're trying to keep to this very strict schedule, probably it's not going to work. So I think, you know, back to your question of like, how did traveling change? It's not as organized. It's not, you know, you kind of just have to go with the flow. It's like if kids are at their limit of, say, you go to Washington, D.C., and they've been in museums all day, you might have to spend your entire afternoon at the hotel pool or something. And you just have to understand that kids are not going to adapt as well as adults do, and they don't have as much patience. And as long as you're willing to sort of go with the flow, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable as opposed to if you're like, no, we're on this road trip and we have to make it from point A to point B in eight hours and we can only stop twice for the bathroom. And, you know, you cannot be that strict about it. No, that's a recipe for disaster right there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you got to be flexible. You know, one thing we do on road trips in Oregon, especially this time of year, is we always have kind of two lists of things to do, the indoor list and the outdoor list. And then, you know, we also are picking our hotel or our camping spot, you know, if we're camping on the beach or something, very strategically so that we can make, you know, short day trips, but that also so we can get back quickly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we're not going three hours away from the hotel if the kids have a meltdown. Less of an issue now that they're older, but, you know, I'll circle back to, to a bit to your question about the joys. I think, you know, I would just echo what Carly and Andrew have said is that you're making these priceless memories. Um, and in the moment, sometimes it's very frustrating, like, oh my gosh, we have to race to make this connection and we're stressed out because the little one can't run as fast. You know, what happened to his bear? But <laughs> <laughs> that's another whole, whole other podcast is bringing lovies on your trips. Oh God, but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, intermixed among some of those challenges and frustrations are the simple joys of watching your kids splash in the Oregon surf or, you know, a few years ago, we uh, made a really big trip. We took the kids to Taiwan, which is where my parents immigrated from. And that was such a a memorable trip for me because I had the supreme joy of introducing my kids to relatives they had never met before. And my relatives were also thrilled to finally meet my kids, too. So that's a trip that I'll always cherish. Now, Jim and I usually talk about, on Peak Northwest, where we're going next. But I'm curious where you all are going next with your kids. So I know, Carly, you mentioned a big road trip coming up. Yeah. We're going from here through Montana and then up to Canada and back. Wow. We don't have our exact itinerary planned out and that's on purpose because we want to just sort of stop where it makes sense to stop and we have some sort of checkpoints along the way where we know that there will be hotels that we can get and things like that but it's pretty open-ended we just know we're going to spend a lot of time in the car and uh but hopefully see some 
you know, pretty amazing sights. Well, coronavirus willing, <laughs> we are supposed to go to Florida. My in-laws are in Florida for the winter, and my mother-in-law is about to celebrate a milestone birthday. So we have tickets. We will see. We're hoping to get there, and we're hoping to maybe spend a day at Disney World while we're there. Again, we'll see how that all goes. <laughs> uh, right now, it's just day by day, you know, watching the news. So we'll see. That's the next thing we have planned. My crew is headed down to Southern Oregon, where my wife and I are from, and hanging out with both sets of grandparents are down there. So we'll be hanging out, maybe go on a little hike. We are still squarely in the nap zone. Mm, So my my kids both nap, different number of naps. So that complicates things a lot uh, in terms of my availability to do stuff, because Kids need to sleep, so we'll be hanging out, maybe go to the pool, go hiking up Roxy Ann Peak in the Medford area, and should be fun. Sounds like some great trips ahead. Amy, Carly, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on and talking about traveling with your kiddos with us. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to a couple of experts on traveling with kids. Back right after this. Okay, folks, and we're back. And Jim, I I don't know about you, but I feel like I learned a lot about traveling with kids. If I ever become a parent, I feel like I've got a whole wealth of wisdom to draw from. And that was just fun to listen to. I step back and kind of let you direct traffic and, you know, our colleagues here just kind of go as they may about all their different tips and tricks and memories. And that was a lot of fun. And what I think is actually going to be even more fun is hearing from some experts uh, themselves on this topic. So folks, why don't you introduce yourselves? My name is Sam, and I'm 11 years old. My name is Lily, and I'm 8 years old. And these are Carly's kids with us here in the studio. We want to hear your tips and tricks for traveling. So maybe let's start with you, Lily. What is the biggest thing that makes a road trip a success for you and your family? Um, I'd say when I get to watch stuff on my iPad. <laughs> that definitely helps, right? Carly mentioned that earlier. Having a screen sometimes can be good, sometimes can be bad, but it sounds like it's a fan favorite. It is a fan favorite. Mom has to regulate a bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can see it. Sam, what about you? What keeps you happy? Um, either playing video games or eavesdropping on the adults. Ooh, <laughs> all right. I like what, that one. What, what do the adults talk about that, that's so juicy? Any number of things. <laughs> <laughs> So is this like you're in the back seat of the car yeah. and you're like, well, you have like your headphones in and you're pretending to listen to something, but maybe you're not? Depends. Just depends. All right. All right. I can see it. What makes a trip special when you guys are hanging out with your family? Um, when we get to go places. I like to play I Spy. I Spy? That's a good one. Yeah, we have not talked about car games. Car games. We yeah. we did a version of I Spy. We also had a car bingo, I think. Yeah. Actually, I don't even oh, know wow. that we did I Spy, but we definitely did a car bingo. Yeah, we can do We do a lot of I Spy. When I was a kid, I loved to keep track of license plates, like all the different mm. license plates that I saw. And so I've kind of passed that along to them. On like a two-lane highway, we would play next car around the corner. So you had to be like, the next car around the corner is your car, Sam. And it's, you know, if it's like a junker, everybody laughs. And if it's like a really cool car, then he's like, yeah, I've got the cool car. You know? <laughs> so there's all kinds of those car games that can occupy time, I think. What are some of your favorite places that you've been to with your family? I've been to Disneyland three times, I think. That's the main one I remember because when I was little... 
I went to Mexico. That's cool. And wow. when I was so little, I can't remember any bit of it. I went to Ireland. Whoa, not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like Disneyland and I like Mexico, but the only thing I remember about it is we were sitting in the pool and there was like this drink place on the side of the pool and they gave you drinks so you could like um swim around in the pool and carry your drink and I had a little floaty and we were taking pictures and mom had ordered me a chocolate drink and I just wouldn't stop drinking it whenever <laughs> when they took the picture I was still drinking it and I just drunk the whole thing and then looked up and they were like, um, okay. You were, you were obsessed with that drink. That's true. <laughs> what do you guys think about camping? Because that's something we do a lot. And so you can't see right now, but you, we've got Lily with her mouth wide open. You're loving camping. Mm-hmm. What do you love about it? Everything. I like camping in the middle of nowhere. Yeah? Yeah, because all the wild animals are there. I like that, too. I like every kind of camping, except if it's in your backyard, then it's really boring. I don't like when you're, like, in an actual campsite when there's, like, people are everywhere, and that just gets annoying. Yeah, me neither. So you like that dispersed camping? Yeah. If you go out, you find a spot out in the forest somewhere, Mm -hmm. set up your own camp, just you and the trees. Yeah, if you find... Me too. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. If you find if you find a good camping spot and you come back every year, it kind of becomes more of like a habit. Yeah, we go on the John Day River. Last summer was our second time going, and we always go with one of our cousins. We have three cousins, and then our uncle and mommy. Sounds like a pretty good trip. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a more challenging trip, floating you guys in a raft. In canoes or in a raft? In yeah. a raft for multiple nights. Wow, um, wow. I mean, they do great, but that's also one of those things where, like, if they're young enough, it is not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. But that is that is a very fun trip. But again, you have, you know, minimal amounts of gear because you have to fit everything in your raft. And you're camping every night and you don't know where you're going to be camping. You don't know what your campsite's going to look like. You have to get really creative with food because, again, you don't have a lot of space in the raft. But they do great. I mean, they sit in that boat all day long as my brother rows. I don't row. Uh-huh. I'm terrible at rowing. We go in circles, basically. And uh, <laughs> But, yeah, they fish. You know, they talk to their cousin. They just have a great time. Um. Last time we went, it was with my little cousin who's a little bit younger than me. And we liked to each take one oar, and then we would both throw an oar. And we wouldn't even go in circles, and Mommy would go in circles. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> if your life depended on me rowing you out of something, good luck. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, Sam and Lily, you both seem like really good travelers. So uh, I thought maybe we could wrap up by offering any advice you might have to some kids who maybe don't like traveling. Well, we have been traveling practically our whole lives. So. Just don't get the adults mad and you'll have fun. <laughs> yeah, basically advice. what he said. And make sure to check with an adult before touching plants. Oh, yeah. oh that's a good one. A that is good, a very, very good, good one. Very practical <laughs> advice. So, Sam, you said that it's important to help keep adults from getting mad. How do you do that? You listen you, to them. You, you, you be quiet and you do what they ask. <laughs> and if 
you get a piece of candy that you don't like, you might give it to them. Ooh, <laughs> there you go. Share your candy. That is, that's a good ad- word of advice for adults as well. Totally. Yeah. Share your candy. All right, I've got one question. Any advice you have for adults? Say, uh, what would you, if you had to ask your mom or tell your mom, man, I wish we could do this, what do you got for us? Um, I would say please and thank you if she said yes, and I would be nice, and I would try to persuade her with candy. I know there's a lot of candy talk between me and Sam, but I want that candy. <laughs> Me too. Candy. Me too. <laughs> Apparently, the key to traveling with kids is taking plenty of candy. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes. Bring candy. Don't bring too much because some people like me don't like too much candy. He doesn't like chocolate. Oh my gosh. What? No chocolate? Oh, no, man. I respect it. You know, we've all got different tastes. I think that's fine. A lot of people don't like chocolate. Man, I just don't know. So Jim asked what, what advice you have for adults who are um, traveling with kids. So what do you think about that? Just keep your temper and everyone will have fun. <laughs> and make sure to give them their screen at least for half an hour a day. At oh, least. just half an hour? At least. That would be a miracle. Half an hour. I think we can, I mean, we can deal with that. Yeah. I... Maybe two and a half hours? <laughs> Big difference. (laughs) Okay, I like two and a half hours better. We got some negotiating going on here, and we'll let y'all finish your negotiations off the podcast. But for now, thanks so much, Sam and Lily, for coming on, and Carly for bringing your kids to the office, though, that everyone can uh, enjoy their sage wisdoms on travel. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Mm. Can you guys say thank you? Thank Thank you. Thank you. That was great. I really enjoyed hearing from Lily and Sam. They were super funny. (laughs) Super funny. It also gave me a new appreciation for just how much goes into planning a trip with kids. Totally. I feel like I I really can appreciate and not take for granted my opportunity to be able to travel with the freedoms of not having kids. A lot more autonomy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Carly was talking about not being able to plan I was like twitching over here. (laughs) It's like, this is what you do for a living. Yeah. Just so much respect too for parents who maybe have kids who struggle with traveling on planes or whatever. I think it's really important to remember that like, yeah, it's not always easy. I think it was Amy who said too, the folks who will just give you a nice gesture, say you're doing great or we've been there or something like that. When you're on a plane, maybe your kid's screaming or whatever it might be. I'll be more apt to be that person, I think, in the future as well. Of just being like, really, it's not a problem. You're doing fantastic or whatnot, because it does sound like that means a lot. Yeah, well, I think, Jim, we usually talk about what's up next for us, but we already heard from so many people talking about what's up next for them that I think it's a good point to wrap it up here. Yeah, I'd say so. So we will be back next week. But in the meantime, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest and Andrew Thien's podcast, Beat Check, wherever you get your podcasts. You can, of course, watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by myself, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Brooke Herbert. Many thanks to our guests as well, Carly Imus, Amy Wong, and Andrew Thien, along with Carly's kids, Lily and Sam. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.